church. Praise the Lord. Praise God for being in the atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is free to work. I know that sounds like an elementary statement that it just would be true everywhere, but it's, it's true in just a few places. Most, most places that I could go and you could go tonight, they're interested in coming in, going through their little program, and leaving. It don't mean much to them to get anything from the Lord, and it really don't mean much to them to give anything unto the Lord. Amen. I was praying one night. Um, I pray in our choir, back in the corner of our choirs, when we have an altar of prayers where I pray. And I was praying one night, and I said, Lord, I want you to get the glory tonight. Yes. And, he, he, and he stopped me, and he said, give it to me. <laughs> I said, get it, and he said, give it. That's right. And he reminded me of the scripture, give unto the Lord. The glory do his name. Yes, sir. You know why he's asking for us to give it? Because that's a glory that he will not have unless you do that. There's a specific glory that can come from you as a believer, as a child of God, that he doesn't get from angels and cherubims and seraphims. Amen. There's a specific, unique glory that comes from you personally that he cannot get anywhere else and from anybody else. And so if you don't give him the glory personally, that's a glory that he will not have. Amen. And are, are we giving him the glory do his name. Amen. That right there would transform our churches. That would bring a, 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 a very keen sense of worship if we would realize that this today. I mean, think about that. That's how important you are personally. Is that you personally can give God glory that is specifically yours, that unless you do it, he won't have it. He won't have it. And we should want him to get all, uh, see there, I, I said it again, get. He's not going to get it. He's not going to back in a corner and say, give it to me. I've come to get it. Hold your hands up. I, I come to get, no. He wants it to be voluntary. He wants it to be personal. He wants it to be wholehearted. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. That's what he said numerous times. Half-heartedness is killing us. And what's wrong with half-heartedness is if, uh, if we're half-hearted, that means something or someone else has the other half. If we're, if we're serving the Lord half-hearted, then something else has the other half of our heart. Amen. Amen. But David said, I'm going to praise you, Lord, with my whole heart. That term, whole heart, is mentioned several times in the Scripture. And I tell you, that's probably the, the, the need of the hour 
is for us to give, have total, total surrender, total submission, holding nothing back, no reservations, no, no, no conditions. Uh, Lord, you have some, and I'll keep some. Let me just help. Let me help you with something here. If you're carnal enough to get into giving God some and keeping some, you will not be spiritual enough to give him the bigger part. Amen, that's good. That's a truth. If you're in a give and, and keep mentality, I promise you, you'll keep the bigger part. Amen. Revival is coming to first place. Everybody in here has got a first place. And it's never empty. First place in your life is never empty. It's always going to be filled. It's always going to be occupied. And sad, most of the time, it's occupied with self. And I can say along with the statement I just made that if you're carnal enough to take Jesus out of first place, you won't be spiritual enough to put him in second. Because whatever is going on in your life that brought that would get Jesus out of first place is still there and it's of the flesh and it's carnal. And in fact, Jesus, if he's even on the list, will be way down the list. You weren't way down on his list. And we should make sure that he is not way down on our list. Lord, I'll get to you sometime. Lord, I'll, 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 I'll talk to you if I get a chance today. And I'm, I'm afraid we've, we've pushed him aside and, and, and pushed him way on down the list of, of things that we've got to do today and, and other things takes priority and precedence over the lovely Son of God. And no doubt he's hurt over that. No doubt he's grieved and hurt over that. Amen, without a doubt. Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Song of Solomon. Song, the Song of Solomon. If you'll take a few minutes there, find it, your neighbor, ask them where it's at. Amen. I'll give you a clue. It's not in the New Testament. Song of Solomon, chapter number 8. Monday night, we dealt with the subject matter of come, the call to closeness. And I still believe that call is ringing out very loudly uh, even in this church. You can sense it. I'm not trying to sound spiritual. I'm just saying that you can sense that God is working in people's lives about coming close and closer to him. And I tell you, you can sense as well in the atmosphere of the service, amen, that people are responding. They're responding to the call. They're responding to things that's in the way of their closeness. Amen. You shouldn't have to step over nothing to get close to him. You should never have to go around anything to get close to him. There should never be any challenges in your life to where you stop and consider, uh, even for a few seconds, about tolerating 
something in your life that would compete with him. Jesus does not deserve any competition in your life and in mine. Amen. That's exactly right. In fact, if you read the epistle of James in chapter number four, and I've made this statement before, if we could get God's people to just live the truth that's in James chapter four, we'd have revival. Because that chapter deals with carnality. There's only one hindrance to the Spirit of God. Oh, let me let me deal with that right quick. There's only one hindrance to the Spirit of God, and it's not the devil, and it's not the it's not the world. That only leaves one more on the list. What is it? The flesh. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, meaning wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh wars against the flesh amen and he said these are contrary one to the other in Galatians 5 that ye would not do the things that you would amen you think about that wonder what the Holy Spirit's really wanting to be doing here I wonder what really is the mind and the will of the Holy Spirit of God and purpose, uh, uh, amen, and and goals that that the Spirit of God is wanting to attain and accomplish in Currytown Baptist Church. I wonder where he really wants this church to be right now compared to where this church is. I don't know of a church anywhere that's where they're supposed to be. Or let me say it another way. I don't know of a church anywhere that's where they could be. I've asked preachers numerous times, uh, even in a service, preaching a revival, and I would ask the pastor, is this church where it needs to be to be the most effective it can be in this area for God's glory? And I've never got a nod like this. Every one of them says like that. Amen. I wonder where the Spirit of God really would like for this church to be. Let me make it more personal. I wonder for you personally, where, would you, where does the Spirit of God really want you to be far as in your growth, in your Christ-likeness, in your willingness, in your surrender, in your selflessness? I wonder where really He wants us tonight. I'm afraid we go so far, we look back and we say, you know what, I'm not where I was. I'm glad I'm not where I was. And we, and we, we, I guess we have some kind of confirmation that, hey, we're, we're okay. The Spirit of God really wants us way over here on further down the road, but we, we, we've traveled so far and we find a comfortable Laodicean place where we're not really hot and we're not really cold, we're not really out, but, and we're not really in, and, and we just kind of park there. We just kind of clear us out a spot and think, you know what, I'm not where I was, where I used to be, and we'll settle down right there. I believe if I understand the scripture correctly, you grow until you die. Right. 
Spiritually, you grow until you die. God gives you life, but you're to grow that life. Amen. Praise God. That's good preaching right there. We need help today to get us over the hump. We need help to get us in a, a spiritual momentum, a spiritual inspiration of moving with great determination into the future of what God wants us to be. Amen. Amen. It's not an accident that we're here today. Right. I'm talking about us being on the scene today. This is our time, evidently. That's why we're here. And this is the last days. This is the last days. And God's needing a last day church and last day Christians and last day preachers and last day choir and last day Sunday school teachers and last day soul winners. He needs people that'll be faithful and on fire for God in the last days. And I believe what we dealt with Monday night, it seems to be a, a, a pivoting point of this whole meeting. It seems like, because it just it pops up every night so far. It comes up every night about being close to Christ. And we can do that. You couldn't do that as a sinner. Ephesians 2 said you was afar off. And the only way you could have been, only way you experienced to be brought nigh, you were made nigh. You were made nigh. You were made nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God. Now we're not far off. Now we're not distant. Now we're not an enemy. Now we're not on the opposing side. Now we're in his family. And our heart's desire ought to be to be as close as possible. What about that? Amen. No telling what the Lord would be doing right here today. No telling what he would be doing. Listen, I just thought I'd tell you, the political world don't govern God. Are y'all listening? <laughs> Amen. I felt something right there. Amen. He, the, he's not going to subject himself underneath uh, some politicians. He can move without them. And he don't have to have them to vote on it. Amen. The outside world should never control the inside of the house of God. Amen. Everything in here ought to be different. The atmosphere ought to be different. When you come out, close the door and come inside here, you, it'd be or like we're coming into a little a part of heaven, a little piece of heaven. We're going to get to enjoy a little bit of heaven now. That's right. Leave the world out there. There's too much of the world in here and not enough of the church out there. Well, that's a good statement. I've never said that before. That just came up. Amen. I'm trying to think how I said that. There's, how, how did I say it? There's not enough. There's too much of the world in here and not enough of the church out there, I think, something like that. Anyway. Well, we're going to hook up just a little bit with where we, where we were at Monday night and, and, and we was all over it last night. God allowed us and led us last night to, to just mind him and... And we tried, tried our best to do so. 
And I believe it was evident that the Lord was speaking to us. I know he was speaking to me and challenging me and helping me. Before we read in the scripture, I want to bow for just a moment of prayer. Father, I want to thank you again, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house tonight. And Lord, I want to thank you that you have our best interest in mind. Lord, I thank you, Father, that that you have a plan for us, you have a purpose for us. And Lord, I pray that we'll get supremely interested, Lord, in what you desire and what you have designed for us. And may we accomplish your will. Lord, may we finish well. Lord, may we say along with the Apostle Paul, I finished my course. May that be so true with us, Lord. I pray you help us tonight in these last of the last days, God, to be found faithful. Lord, help us, I pray, to be close to you, close with you and intimate, Lord, with you, Father. I pray you'd help us, and you've made that available. Lord, the middle wall of partition has been broken down. Lord, you, through the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, you've, you've given us every, every opportunity, Lord, to draw nigh to Emmanuel, to draw nigh to the God of heaven. Lord, I thank you for that. Help us to want to do that. Help us to want to walk with you as Enoch did. Help us, Lord, to be as John that would lay our, our head on, as it were, your bosom. Lord, may we experience the closeness of Christ. I think sometimes we live as though that's not possible. We live as though that is so distant. We live as though that was something that was just exclusive with the apostles. But no, Lord, all of your children in your family have lap privileges with you, Lord. We can get up in your lap, Lord, and and Lord, we have access to your heart. And your eye is over us. And your thoughts are about us. I pray you'd help us tonight. Revive us, refresh us. Lord, I pray, stir us in these days. Lord, we need it. And Lord, may it not be temporary, but Lord, may it be permanent. May it affect us the rest of our lives. Lord, help me, I pray, to share, Lord, what, Lord, you would have us to say tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. In, in, in Song of Solomon, chapter number eight, of course, we know that Solomon was the penman of three specific books in the Old Testament. And we know that the, the scriptures tells us in 1 Kings 4 and verse number 32 that Solomon wrote 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. Solomon. Uh, he was one of, the, one of the most outstanding men of the Old Testament. He wrote the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs is his rule book. It covers all of the basics. It covers every area of the practical life that you and I are to live. Right. Tells us what we are not to do and, where, and what we are to do. But then he moves in, and he deals with the, 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 the book before us tonight, Song of Solomon, and this would be his romance book. He wrote a rule book, the book of Proverbs. He wrote a romance book, the book of Song of Solomon. But then he pinned down at the ending of his life the book of Ecclesiastes, which I call his regret book. Right. The, his regret book. As he goes back and comes through and 
it basically says, I've tried this and that and the other. I've seen it all. I've had it all. But he said, it's all vexation and vanity. Vanity of vanity and vexation of spirit. And he's basically saying, I wish I could go back and relive my life. I would not have made my life about uh, social matters. I would not have made my life about sinful pleasures. I would not have made my life about tangible, temporal things. I would have given my focus to eternal things such as serving God. And he's telling us to not do as he did, but to remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. And that tells me, tells young people that you can do that. Why would Solomon pin that word down if you couldn't do that as a young person? Amen. I dealt with it in the, in the chapel service this morning. I'm glad to report to you that living for Jesus is not an adult thing. It's not exclusive just for adults. Amen. And I'm afraid a lot of young kids and young people and teenagers, they think that, well, I plan on serving God when I get old enough. Or or if you're old enough to be saved, you're old enough to be spiritual. I'm going to say that again. If you're old enough to have done business with the Lord about being saved, then God expects you to read your Bible. God expects you to worship Him. God expects you to pray. It don't matter if you're six years old. It don't matter if you're seven years old. It don't matter. Jesus Christ Himself at 12 years old said the words, I must be about my Father's business. 12 years old we've, we've made I don't know how we've done it but somehow we've, we've, we've missed something over the years we've missed something over the years of reaching back to the younger generation the older teaching the younger amen when the younger is in the service with the older the older ought to be an example of worship Amen. Not how not to do it, but how to do it. They ought to learn to be able to learn to pray by listening to Granny pray and Mama pray and and Daddy pray and the preacher pray and the deacons pray and the Sunday school teacher pray. They ought to be taught how to pray. I want to say it again, and I and and you know I'm right on it. I know I'm right on it. A lot of kids will get saved and they don't never think about going any further than that until they're well on up in years, late teens, 20s, 30s. If God wanted to wait, if God wanted you to be spiritual, get saved at six, he wants you to be spiritual at six. He wants you to start your growing, uh, amen, and serving at six years old. He said, Preacher, what can a six-year-old do? Well, ask the Lord on that. Amen. So I'm looking at chapter 8 of Song of Solomon, and I'm interested in verse number 5. I'll read verse 4 and 5. 
I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you stir not up nor awake my love until he please. Look at this question. That's what I want to focus on tonight. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? Leaning upon her beloved. Boy, I love that song to choir song. Lean on me. If we've ever been in a time, in a day, in an hour that that would say to us, we better learn to lean on the Lord. It's in this hour. There's things happening all around us. There's spiritual warfare taking place all around us. But I'm gonna tell you, if we don't learn to lean on Jesus Christ, we're going to be weakened and we're going to be whipped by the fight. Leaning on him, we tap into his strength. We tap into what he can handle. Oh my. When you can't handle the wilderness, he can. He can. He was in the wilderness with her, but he wasn't struggling. He wasn't having to lean on nobody. No, but he made himself available for her to lean on him. Thank God. Who is this? that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved. Boy, that's got some good things to say to us tonight. Now, I just wrote a few things down. One is that America is quickly becoming a wilderness to the Christian. Amen. Amen. It used to be that America was somewhat friendly to the faith and friendly to Christianity as was our founding fathers and founding documents. Amen. That would propose that. But the further we go, it seems that America is becoming an enemy to the people of faith. The more perverted, the more weird that you are, the more right that you are. And the more right you are, the more weird you look. Amen. Who would have ever thought, and I'm not trying to get offline here, who would have ever thought that we would be in such an educated society that now people don't even know which bathroom to use. Y'all nod your head like this right here, amen. Amen. Don't even know what a woman is. Amen, don't even know, amen, don't even know how many genders there are, how ignorant, how stupid, amen, you get away from God, you subject to believe anything, and that's what our country is portraying, you get away from God, vote him out, cast him out, take him out of the schoolhouse, take him out of your house, take him out of his house, I want to tell you, we'll, we'll just go to the dogs, amen. Right. And America's quickly becoming a wilderness for Christians. And I want to tell you, we're going to need Jesus to lean on. We better learn to lean on Him. We better learn what that means. We better learn that that is available for us. That He is available for us to lean on Him. 
Oh, the songwriter had it right when he penned that hymn in our hymn book, Learning to Lean on Jesus. That's not something you wake up one morning and you got it. You wake up and you're in a storm. You wake up and you're in a valley. You wake up and you're under a burden. You're under attack, amen. And you learn to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. And you learn to lean on him. I'll just tell you, your wilderness is gonna win if you don't learn to lean. This one right here in the text didn't have a, have a chance of making it out of her wilderness if it hadn't been for her beloved, not just because he was present, but that she leaned on him. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Amen. So I'm thankful for that. I thought about this today. I thought about how a lot of pastors today are trying to get, encourage people to go on who are struggling with going under. Most preaching today is geared in the area of encouragement. I'd, say, I'd be safe to say probably 90% of preaching is geared and directed toward encouraging God's people to go on and not quit and not give up. We're trying to get people excited that feels like they're being executed. We're trying to get people to be faithful when they are under the fire. They're, on the, they're seemingly uh, receiving enemy fire. If we don't learn to lean on him and know that he is faithful, boy, I like this, and to know that he is unaffected by the wilderness. Amen. What's wearing me out is manifesting him. My weakness is very evident. Your weakness at times will be very evident. I want to tell you, Paul, listen. God told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, my. Yes, amen. Well, this world is much like a wilderness. In that it's dry and barren and difficult and it's got dead ends and detours and, and, and places of impossibility in it. How many times in the last two to three years you probably said, how are we going to make it? There may be the discussion around the table, breakfast table in the morning, uh, in the past, how are we going to make it? Looking at your finances, you may have said, how are we going to make it? When you got the doctor's report, you said, how are we going to make it? And you'd spend day in and day out and night in and night out in the hospital, amen, with a loved one. And you begin to wonder, how are we going to make it? Well, we spent, myself, I spent weeks with my son in the hospital. I canceled, I don't know how many meetings last year because it was my place to be with my son in the hospital. And there was times I didn't know, never said anything, I didn't know if he was going to make it. The devil whispered in my ear one day, he said, I'm, you're, you you're going to walk out of here without your son. Y'all listening? There was nights that I would pillow my head over in the corner of that hospital room wondering, 
Lord, how can I, I can't make it. I can't handle this. Because he, what was going on with him was bigger than me. Right. I wasn't the one that was, I wasn't a doctor. I, I, amen. Boy, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times that things are going to come your way and things is going to happen and you're going to get a report or you're going to have a circumstance in your life and you're going to look at it and it's going to start wearying you. Amen. It's going to start wearing you down as a wilderness was wearing of this lady down in the text. Amen. And she evidently was weary because she leaned on her beloved. Amen. And that's the only way she made it too. That's all the way she made it, amen? Right. The word leaning in the text means to recline. Right. <laughs> to recline, to lean on. Yeah. Oh my, to tap into uh, his strength and his resources. Boy, I like that. The truth is you'll either learn to deal with your wilderness or your wilderness will deal with you. Right. Right. Leaning is not easy. Not what it suggests because leaning is transferring trust to another. Now I know that sounds spiritual and it is. It sounds right and it is. But I want to tell you what, friend, it's hard to do. Leaning on Jesus is hard to do sometimes because we are geared, I don't know if it's right or wrong, good or bad, but we're geared to try to fix it ourselves and usually the last resort is to lean on him. We do all we can do and then lean on him. When he's available to be leaned on at all times. Oh my Yes, there is the transferring of trust. I'm telling you what I'm seeing in, in, in a lot of God's people. I'm, look, I'm seeing that their confidence in the Lord is under attack. You'll not lean on something or anyone or anything that you are not confident in it to hold you up. I believe the devil, is a he can't attack your conversion other than trying to get you to doubt it. But I'm going to tell you, he's attacking our confidence. He don't want us to have a trust in the middle of, of troubles. He don't want us to trust in the middle of troubles. He wants us to fall apart. He wants us to lean to our own understanding. He wants us to lean on our own strength. That's right, it's what the devil wants because he knows that'll guarantee a fall. Oh my. Let's look at this question. Let's break it down just for a few minutes tonight. The first thing that I notice in this question is that there is an awareness or an attention of this leaning. Look at the question. Who is this? that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved. Somebody's asking that question. Somebody is observing what's going on. Somebody's watching what is taking place. And they're asking the question, who is this that's coming up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? I want to tell you, friend, one of the things that ought to encourage you and I to lean upon the Lord tonight. And by the way, that's something you do when you're close. You can't lean from a distance. That's the reason a lot of people don't lean on the Lord is because they're too far away. Amen, that's right. They're too far away. You've got to be close to lean. 
Well, I thought about this, preacher. I, I jotted it down. Look back in chapter number one of Song of Solomon. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this point here in a second. In chapter number one, there are some exclusive blessings and benefits that are available to those that are close to, to Christ, close to our beloved, right? In chapter number one, I just jotted a few of these things down. In chapter number one, in verse number two, here's what the Bible said. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. That's something that's got to be done close. Jesus can't kiss on you from a distance and you can't kiss on him or receive the kiss from him from a distance. He can't be intimate with you from a distance. You can't be intimate with him from a distance. Amen. There's more. Listen, look at chapter five. I'm just skipping through here real quickly. Look at chapter number five, starting in verse number nine. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? O thou fairest among women, what is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? And look at these following verses. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among ten thousands. Oh, she's saying by that, you won't have no problem recognizing him. If you see him, he'll stand out. You'll know him. You'll know he's my beloved because you put him in a group of 10,000 and he'll, he'll stand out. Nobody like him. Amen. There's nobody like him. Amen. But here's the part I just want to mention. Look at verse number 11. He deals with his head. She deals with descriptions that only can be known from closeness. She describes in verse number 11 his head. She also describes in verse number 11 his locks, his hair. Verse number 12, she describes his eyes. Verse number 13, she describes his cheeks. Verse 13, she describes his lips. Verse 14, she describes his hands. Verse 15, she describes his legs. Also in verse 15, she describes his countenance. Also in verse number 16, she describes his mouth. What descriptions can you give about Jesus that comes from a close experience of him? He's writing a book of romance. What could we write about concerning our romance with the Lord and him with us? Could we write a book? Or could we even write a chapter? What do you know? What do you know about the Savior that you learned in close proximity? You can't describe his cheeks and his eyes and his mouth. Amen. You can't describe all of that unless you've been close. What can you tell, amen? I think the reason a lot of people don't testify is they don't have nothing to say. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why are the redeemed of the Lord not saying so? I believe it's because they are not experiencing the closeness and the intimacy with their Lord and they have nothing to say. Amen. 
And then chapter number 8 in our text, we find here she's talking about leaning. They're talking about her leaning upon her beloved. Again, that is one of the great benefits of closeness. Wonder how many of us, I'm, I'm including myself, I wonder how many of us have missed out on many, many benefits and blessings that are exclusively found in closeness to Christ. We missed out because we weren't close enough to see his eyes. We weren't close enough to describe his mouth. We weren't close enough for him to kiss on us. We weren't close enough. And the devil don't want you to be intimate with Christ. Amen. And he don't want Christ to be intimate with you. And he knows the key to that is distance. Stay far away and you won't notice his details. Amen. Mm, man, that's getting big in my heart. But number one, there was the awareness of leaning. It was being observed. It was an attraction. That was an attraction. Those whoever asked this question noticed that was going on and it was attractive. Wow, who is this coming up out of the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? So not only is there the awareness or the attention of leaning and people's watching. If you fall apart, you're saying to them you're not leaning. If you get out of church, you're saying to everybody, your family, your friends, your neighbors, that amen, work associates, that you're not leaning. You're not leaning. Amen. So there's the awareness of leaning. Number two, there's the arrangement of leaning. She's leaning on him, not him leaning on her. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Lord don't lean on me. He'd be in a mess. No fact, truthfully, if he leaned on me, he'd be in the floor. Amen. Because most of the time, I'm not close enough to him for him to lean on me. Amen. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad, aren't you, that he's not leaning on us. I'm glad I'm not carrying him. Amen. I'm glad he's carrying me. I'm glad he's the one that's strong when I am weak. Amen. He'll never be weak. I'll not weaken him. All of us and all of God's family on planet earth can be leaning on him at the same time and it'll not weaken him one bit. I'm going to tell you he's so personal. He is so personal that every one of his children can 100% lean on him and never be distracted from any of the others. He never has to say to one, but now I'm carrying so-and-so right now. But When I get him out and get him home and get him straightened out, then I'll come back to you. No. No. There's the arrangement of leaning. Thank God. We find here the wilderness expresses the external circumstance. But then we see her tapping into the strength of her beloved, which represents the eternal. I'm glad the external does not affect the eternal. The external can be a wilderness. The external can be dry. The, the external can be desolate. The, amen. But oh, thank God for the eternal in the in, on the inside that allows us to lean upon our beloved. 
There's the arrangement of leaning. Number three, the ability of leaning. The ability of leaning. Her ability to lean didn't require a lot of strength. You said, preach, I'm about gone. I'm about gone, preach. I'm, I'm weak and weary. And you can become weary and even in well-doing. Don't, don't forget, now there was some admonishments in the word of God about God's people fainting. You can faint. You have life, but I want to tell you, you can experience a weakness. You can experience a weariness that, amen, can bring you into a state and a condition of fainting. We all know people that once was in church, but they're not tonight. We all know people that we never thought would have failed or faltered, but they're in a fainting condition tonight. They're becoming unfaithful to the house of God. They've lost their joy. We all know people like that. And what happened to them can happen to us. The ability of leaning. She saw the wilderness was wearying her and wearing her out and wearing her down, but she made use of her beloved. Thank God my beloved's close by. If she had been distant from him, she would, have, she would definitely have failed in the wilderness if not died in the wilderness. You better make sure that no matter what you go through, and I know this, is, this sounds real elementary preaching right here, but you better pay attention. Listen, when you're going through a wilderness experience, you better focus on staying close to, the, to your beloved. Because when that weakness and weariness come upon her, I want to tell you she didn't have the strength nor the time to go hunting him, go trying to find him, go to an altar several trips, and amen, to make try to get right with God, try to get right with her beloved. You better keep him close. You better stay near. You better stay on talking terms with him. Amen, that's right. There's the ability of leaning. His ability was her reliability. That's good. Her strength was not of nor from the wilderness. Her strength was found in her beloved. Boy, I like that. Number four, the affection of leaning. The Bible said here that the question was, who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? Her beloved is that term of affection. If you love him, you won't have no problem leaning upon him. But if you don't love him, you're probably distant from him and you probably are not going to be able to lean on him. Amen. No love, no leaning. Our leaning comes from our loving. We need a revival of old-fashioned love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because our love is what would encourage our leaning upon him. And his love for us is what will accept our leaning. <laughs> amen, that's good. If you, amen, I like this. If you have enough confidence to love him, then surely you ought to have enough confidence to lean on. Lean on me. 
Boy, I can hear that choir belling that out right there. I can hear them singing it tonight again, amen. Lean on me. Boy, that's good, amen. Boy, I like it. Her intimacy, listen to this, it's good. Her intimacy was more visible than her identity. They didn't even know who this was. They said, who is this? They didn't know who they was who she was, they didn't even know who he was, but they knew one thing, they were in love with one another. He, she was leaning upon her beloved. And I want to tell you, with that statement I just gave you about her intimacy was more visible than her in- identity, we're right the opposite. Most people now, and young people included, are more interested in their identity. More interested in their identity. I want to tell you what is, you you can go out in town, go out out and shopping, and and you'll see this all the time, young people. Selfies. Amen. Can't even even function without taking 700 self-portraits of themselves. Amen. That's what social media has done, has caused people to become so self-focused and so self-centered and so self-serving. They, amen. All we care about is ourself. Amen. We want our identity to be the big deal. She wanted her intimacy to be the big deal. That's good preaching right there. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. And for you to be able to lean, listen to me now. We're heading toward the finish line here. Listen. For you to be able to lean, I meditated on that and thought about on that. For you to be able to actually lean on someone or something, you've got to be closer to that or that someone than you are tall. If you're further away then you are tall, you're not going to be able to lean, but fall. So if you're going to lean on the Lord, and, and, and in that statement I just made, how tall you are would represent the size of your image. How tall you stand, and amen, your bigness, your importance, amen. And if you're not careful... Because you focus on your size and your strength, you'll be too far away in the time of need to be able to lean upon the Lord. Because you'll be you'll be focusing on how big you are, and you're amen, you'll be further away than what the distance between you and your beloved will be more than your 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 size. Man, there's the affection of leaning. Then there's the authority of leaning. Some of you is going to get off right here. You're just going to, you're going to tell the bus driver, stop the bus, I'm ready to get off. The authority of leaning. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her, beloved? She's leaning on him. Here's the basic truth there is this. He says to her, if you'll lean, if you'll lean, I'll lead. That's the reason a lot of people don't want to lean on him. They want to lean on him if they can tell him where to go and what to do. 
Come on now. But leaning on him is, is, a, is a byproduct of your weakness. But when you lean on him, you're trusting him not only to hold you up, but to lead you on. Well, I'm glad he can lead us. His eyes are not blurred and dim. His ears are not deaf, amen. He, doesn't, he never gets weak. He never needs a break. He never needs a vacation. He never takes a nap. He's ready 24-7 to carry you. He's tw- Amen. He's ready 24-7 to take care of your weakness. Amen. Boy, I'm telling that's good. The authority of leaning. If you'll lean, I'll lead, he says. Then number five, the advantage of leaning. I want you to get this right here tonight. The advantage of leaning is that all of her was on all of him. (laughs) Y'all didn't get that. I didn't think you would. All of him accepted all of her. Hey, you don't have to worry about overloading him. You don't have to worry about your baggage and your weakness and your issues and your problem being too much for him. Amen. Oh, I like that. I'm telling you, I got that highlighted. I want it highlighted in my life too. All of him was with her in the wilderness. All of him was available for her in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. And he accepted all of her. Yep, bring your weakness Bring your issues. Bring what's wearing you out. Bring what's burdening you down. What you don't know that you can't make it. You don't feel like you're going to make it another step. He says put all of you, all of your weight, all of your burdens, all of your concerns, all of your cares. Put it on me. I can handle it. Hallelujah. Amen. If Jesus can handle my cross, he can handle my crisis. He can handle my problems, amen. There's an advantage of leaning. When you can't go on, when you can't make it another mile, when it seems you can't make it another step, if you'll lean on him, he'll be your enough. He'll be your enough. All of the wilderness was upon her. That's why she was in bad shape. But then she transferred all of the wilderness that was on her, wearing her down and wearing her out, she transferred all of that over on him. And he he never even flinched. (laughs) Lord, I like it. I like it. All of her on all of him. That ought to be a good motto to leave tonight with. All of me on him. I got all of him in me. And when I need help, I need to make sure all of me is on him. There's an advantage. The Bible said she was coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved. Boy, I like that. Here's another one, real quick. The advancement of leaning. Cometh up, shows process, shows progress. Here's the definition, the strong definition for the words cometh up. In this verse, it means to depart. Amen. 
He's not just going to lead you around in the wilderness. He's going to lead you out. Cometh up means to depart, to excel. I like this. Cometh up means to cause, to ascend. <laughs> Amen. In her weakness, she was going down. But when she started leaning, she started going up. I'm glad the Lord can pick you up this evening. I'm glad the Lord can pick you up, all of you, all of your cares. Boy, that's good. Amen. Boy, I like that. I like that because I've been there. I've experienced what I'm preaching tonight. means to excel or to ascend, to grow, to shoot forth as vegetation. Did you hear that? That's in the Strong's Concordance. To shoot forth as vegetation. How many does a garden? Not me, I go to Walmart. No, so we do, you plow, you make a row, you dig that row, and you plant the seed. And then what do you do with the seed? You cover it up. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to bury you, make you think you're buried in your wilderness. He wants to make you think that you're, you're under, you're under, you're not going to make it. You're, you, amen. But instead, amen. Come on now. It, amen. Instead of you being buried, you're really just being planted. The devil looks at some of you and said, I got you this time. I guarantee you, there's some of you sitting in this building watching live stream tonight. The devil's told you, I got you this time. You're about gone. I about got you. Amen. You're not going to make it and all that. And all the whole time, he's, he's throwing dirt. He's throwing dirt on top of you. Like, yeah, I've got you this time. You're not going to make it. I'm going to get your marriage. I'm going to get your children. I'm, amen, you're not going to make it. And he's covering you up. But what he don't know is that there is a, a greater process fixing to take place. And it's not termination. Devil's thinking termination. But God is thinking germination. <laughs> All of a sudden, the devil said, well, yeah, I got them. I buried them with their load of cares and their troubles, amen. They're not going to make it. And then all of a sudden, on Sunday morning, there you start coming out, of the, coming out of that dirt, coming out of that pile, coming out of that mess. Amen. Everybody wondered, is, is she going to make it? All of a sudden, that day in and day out, it seemed like there was no evidence of life. It looked like termination for sure. It looked like it was over for sure. But then all of a sudden, thank God, germination kicked in and life come back and you kicked them clods out of the way and said, thank God, I I'm alive. Cometh forth, cometh up from the wilderness means to shoot forth as vegetation. Y'all listen. Here's your. I'm talking about this is in the Strong's. Here's another definition of cometh up in this verse means to extend beyond the boundaries. <laughs> Lean on him. He won't just walk you around in your mess. He won't just walk you around in your troubles. I'm glad, thank God, he's able to go beyond the boundaries. He's able to take you up and out of your troubles. 
And if that's not so, then why are we here tonight? That's right. Because we wouldn't have made it through some of the things we've been through. Come on now. I'll guarantee you, if you've been through things that you didn't think you was going to make it, it was wearing you down. It was beating you up. It was covering you up. You thought you was a goner. But look at you. Look at you. Where are you? You're in the house of God. <laughs> Amen. You're in the house of God tonight. Amen. It ain't spiritual, but when you get home, you ought to get your sticky tongue out about that far. At the devil and say, <laughs> you thought you had me. He said, but there was one com key component that you forgot about. You was focusing on my weakness. You wasn't thinking about my wonderful beloved. Amen. Right. Amen. Well, I'll just enjoy my own preaching tonight. Amen. <clears throat> Cometh up from the wilderness. Because actually, leaning upon your beloved also means leaving whatever it is that's causing you the weakness. You may not leave the actual experience, but you're leaving the effects of it. When she started leaning upon her beloved, you couldn't even tell she was in a wilderness. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. That's so good. That's a helping me tonight. Now watch this right here. The Bible said she is coming up. When he, she started leaning upon her beloved, the direction was what direction? She cometh up from, the, all of them words are important, cometh up from the wilderness. Three, three key words, if you're making notes, put them down. We're going to the house here shortly. That word cometh up means elevation. Elevation. Cometh up. Now I've done preached on that. Elevation. Cometh up from means separation. When you lean on your beloved friend, he's not just interested in taking you up. Thank God I'm glad he's got an up direction. David... Uh, David said in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry and he brought me up and also out of a horrible pit. I don't know what you're going through tonight. You may think, you may feel like you're in the quicksand. You may feel like you're going under, but I got news for you. Jesus Christ, our beloved, is bigger and stronger and superior to the will. So cometh up means elevation. There's an elevation of the, from the wilderness. There's a separation from the wilderness. But then from the wilderness identifies that there's a new destination. A new destination. I don't know if she was leaning on him. Kind of like John. Leaning on the bosom of the Savior. She's probably leaning on him. Oh, she was just looking at him, her beloved. She wasn't looking at the wilderness. I think we'd be doing a lot better off tonight if we'd quit looking at the wilderness and start looking at our beloved. But a lot of people don't look at their beloved because they're too far away from him. She's leaning on him. 
thinking about what a wonderful job he's doing, <laughs> thinking about how sufficient he is and where she would be without him. Oh, my. And she might even ask him, say, where are we going? You're coming up from the wilderness, so they're going somewhere. And he, he I don't know. <clears throat> Preacher, I can't sing a lick hardly. My voice is about shot tonight, but I, she, he might have just started singing. I can see the lights of home. I can see him on his throne. Oh, amen. He might, he might have started singing, I've come too far to turn back now. I don't know. But he was taking her away from up, up and away from the wilderness, the effects of it, the experience, amen. And guess what? He was taking her to higher ground. He's got bigger things and better things in mind. She probably would have thought after all this was over, man, I wouldn't have made it without him. But with him, I made it. Thank God I made it. God's not going to lose one of you. There's not going to be empty, not one empty seat at the marriage supper. There's going to be no empty mansions in heaven. Every one of his children are going to make it to the house. Glory to God. Amen. And I'm not talking about your house over there on some street. I'm talking about the big house where the big family's headed. When one day the big family, and we have all experienced wilderness, we've all experienced the wonderfulness of our beloved, amen, holding us up, keeping us from faltering, keeping us from quitting, keeping us from becoming a casualty. The wilderness has caused many casualties. And it's because they were too far away from the beloved, her, their beloved to lean on. And the only direction to go when you can't lean on the beloved is down. Don't be a casualty. In these last days, it'd be real easy to become a spiritual casualty. Spiritual has been. But the secret tonight to not ever becoming a casualty is to be close enough to lean and be led by your beloved. Let's all stand. Father, we come in Jesus' name tonight. Lord, I thank you, Father, for this great truth, Lord, that you've revealed to us in the Scripture. Lord, I thank you, Lord, this is not just a verse, but it's reality. In fact, this was actual reality of this lady and, and her beloved right here in the text. The wilderness was wearing her out. She was becoming weaker and weaker and weaker as she saw her strength leaving she, she saw her strength becoming less and less and less. But thank God she was close enough to her beloved and he was close enough to her to, for her to be able to lean on him. And I thank you for that. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that every person, every young person will know that Jesus Christ wants to be their personal, personal beloved, personal Savior, personal intimate, involved, adequate, sufficient, almighty beloved.
Lord, I don't know who in this building tonight is struggling. I don't know in this building tonight who is, who is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker with the storms and the situations that they're encountering in their life. And I know that I've been getting a report here lately that it seems like that it's reoccurring. It's just one thing right after another. I'm reminded of Vance Havner saying that it's not in the it's not in the sharp trials that we're in danger of fainting, but it's in the long trials that we're in danger of fainting. Lord, I don't know what wife, mother, in here is becoming weary and wore down and wore out with just the, the responsibilities of being a mother, the responsibilities of being a wife, and she's becoming so weary in herself and she's recognizing her weakness, recognizing her weariness. Lord, I pray, God, that she'll find it in her heart, Lord, to make a move toward her beloved and get close to Jesus so she can lean on him. Lord, there may be a man and here, a father, a husband, that's getting weary with just the role and the responsibilities of the father and to be a husband. And dear Father, I pray you'd help him to make sure that he stays close to the beloved. Lord, it might be that a young man, young lady in here tonight, Lord, are just go, they're growing up, they're young, they're in their teens, whatever, maybe even in their 20s, but they're becoming weary with a circumstance or weary with a mental thought life of negative and, and, and all of that, comparing themselves to other people. I don't know, Lord, but you know. And I pray right now, Lord, that you'd help people to bring their burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Lord, you invited us to cast all of our cares upon you, Lord, for you care for us. And we bless your sweet name. We bless your sweet name, Lord. I know for myself, if it hadn't been for you, Lord, allowing me to lean on you, Lord, I wouldn't have made it. There would be, there's been storms in my ministry that I didn't think I was going to make it. And I even prayed to you about that. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't, know, if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this, Lord, if you don't help me. But, Lord, I want to thank you that I can stand here tonight and brag on your faithfulness. Lord, that you came through too many times. And, Lord, just like the song says, I've been through enough to know that you'll be enough for me. You've come through too many times for me that put my mind at ease. I think I'll stake my very life that you're going to take care of me. And I've been through enough to know that you will be enough for me. Lord, have your way in this congregation, this invitation, in Jesus' name. Amen.